Tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Don't tell me not to fly, I simply got to. If someone takes a spill, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? I'll march my band out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Next Best Theater. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and you lucky listeners are in for a great episode. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Dan Bayer. Hello, hello, hello. Cody Derricks. Hiya. And as a very special guest, please give a warm welcome to Andrew Carden. Hello, Dolly. (laughs) We will be touching on Hello, Dolly probably more than we should with this crazy film adaptation, which I will talk a little bit more about later. But Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Many of us love following you on your Twitter account and your wonderful website, The Awards Connection. But for those unfamiliar, just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your love for entertainment, all of that entails. The floor is yours, my friend. Sure. So I do indeed have a blog, which is not particularly theater focused, but it is uh, award season focused. Um, And it's called theawardsconnection.com. And I am also on Twitter at Awards Connect, and while I'm more so focused on film awards and movie history, I am certainly a huge fan of musical theater. I have been going to see Broadway shows since, oh, I think it was 2000 when I saw my first show, and, you know, I fell madly in love with it then, and... And what was it? So, my first show was actually The Phantom of the Opera, which I think is the first show for actually quite a few people. And while it's not necessarily among my favorite shows that I've ever seen, I was just so taken and enamored with the whole experience, and I have never been able to let that feeling go. So, I adore movie musicals, I adore plays, and so on, and, you know... When done right, I think that a movie musical is perhaps the best movie genre of them all. So, you know, I'm delighted to be here to talk about the best of the movie musicals and maybe a couple rather underwhelming ones, even if they were nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. (laughs) Yes, well, we are absolutely excited to have you on, and we can't wait to talk about these movie musicals. And I guess that brings us into what our topic is. You know, you just heard it there. Uh, This is going to be the first in what we hope to maintain as an ongoing series dedicated to movie musicals. Since the first, or not the first, the 91st Academy Awards are just around the corner, we're (laughs) going to spend this episode talking about Best Picture nominees that were adaptations of hit Broadway musicals. So everything that started, I would say, around the mid-1950s up until just earlier this decade, there have been a ton of Broadway musicals that have made their way to film, and Oscar has taken note. So we are going to break them down, everything from the masterful to the titles that we tend to forget about. We have a total of 12 films to break down over the course of this episode, so how about we just dive right in and start talking about these films? Let's do it. All right, so in order to keep things in a little bit of an order, what I did was I broke down different categories. Uh, The first that we're going to talk about is The King and I, which was the first Best Picture nomination from a Broadway musical. And the last one we're going to talk about is Les Miserables from 2012. And what I found was that in all these different eras, there, all these films had something in common to one degree or another. 
So what I want to spend the first portion of our episode talking about is what I would call soundstage musicals. And these are your King and I's, West Side Stories, Music Man's. And with those films, you know, they all have a very stagey feel to them, I would say, even if you could see some progress from one to the other. So I guess we'll start with King and I. Uh, who wants to go first? But the King and I adaptation opened in 1956, won Ewell Brenner an Oscar for the role that he originated on Broadway. Deborah Carr was nominated. Uh, pretty much a straightforward adaptation of the musical. Uh, who wants to go? I love the movie version of The King and I more than any production of The King and I I have ever seen. And I've seen a few. Now, have you seen it at Lincoln Center? I did. Uh-oh. Oh. I Look, it's it was a gorgeous production. It was very, very beautiful to look at. Ruthie Ann Miles is just astoundingly good and that's where i shall stop because mama told me when you don't have nice things to say you don't say them at all Okay, well let's see if that is uh the norm around here if anyone has to challenge it uh nicole have you seen the king and i i have um i grew up on this film i love this movie i think it's i mean one of the things that has stuck with me over years and years is how gorgeous the costumes are in this movie so Mm. that you know definitely makes sense to tie into the oscars i also one of the things that i found that was interesting whenever i was prepping for this episode was this is a really good example of voice dubbing which is something that used to be very prolific in the movie musical and uh i had some controversial opinions back uh with some of our recent movie musicals in which i thought maybe we should bring voice dubbing back um Marnie Nixon provided the vocals for Deborah Kerr uh, in this film, and uh, as she did in My Fair Lady later on for Audrey Hepburn. Yes, and West Side Story. Mm-hmm. And she also has a supporting role in The Sound of Music. So Marnie Nixon's going to pop up a lot in this podcast. Yeah, she's the MVP for this episode. Um, and I feel like that was a really good decision. You know, it allows you to cast an actress like Deborah Kerr, but also get some incredible vocals. And I honestly, I think like if I had to put these, all of the movie musicals we're about to discuss into tiers, I would put The King and I into the top one. Very interesting. Andrew, thoughts on The King and I? I think it's absolutely extraordinary. I think it's at least among the five all-time greatest movie musical adaptations, perhaps top three. Um, I think it is almost certainly the best film of this bunch of Best Picture nominees. I think it is so sumptuously designed from the costumes to the scenery. I think Yul Brenner and Deborah Carr have phenomenal chemistry. I think that even though she is dubbed, Carr has perhaps never been better. And I think that Brenner masterfully um, translated the role from the stage to the screen. I think it's pretty extraordinary all around and I think has held up beautifully. High praise. And Cody, are you going to break our streak here or do you love The King and I as well? I think it's fine. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, um, of the Roger and Hammerstein, you know, they wrote five big musicals that were adapted to movies, but it's safer, obviously. This is my least favorite, um, but I think that's a, a source material oh. issue. Um, oh, I'm forgetting Carousel. Never mind. This isn't the worst one. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, <laughs> of the less successful movie musicals that didn't exactly yeah. get top Oscar. Carousel is ugly, boring garbage. Uh, King and I, I think it's okay. And Nicole, you stole my point about dubbing. I think this is really indicative of the time period in that they were like, well, we really want Deborah Kerr, even if she can't sing, but scatter. And I also agree with your point. I think we'll come back to this. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's something that should be considered when you're casting a show or a movie that, you know, you need to hear beautiful music sung beautifully to get the full intention of the material. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, this is one of the cases where Deborah Carr knew that the voice dubbing was happening. And so, which is not always the case in some other stars did not find out that it was happening and got upset. I think that this is a sign of what a great actor and a great singer can do in concert, working together to create a fully formed performance. I wish to God. And yeah, yeah. So just a little humble brag here. Speaking of Marnie Nixon, uh, she passed away in 2016, but late in 2015, mm-hmm. I actually got to meet Marnie Nixon. Oh my God. Uh, she spoke at my local uh, independent art house theater, talked a little bit about her life and all her work in dubbing. We got to see some clips from The King and I that didn't make it into the film. Uh, one of the songs that was left on the cutting room floor is uh, Shall I Tell You What I Think of You? <laughs> and uh, we got we got to see her perform that. And uh, they showed a little bit of Deborah Kerr singing on set. And then you got to hear the same scene with uh, Marnie Nixon's uh, dub. Well, that's kind of shady. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, as for the film itself, you know, I love The King and I as the material. I saw the Lincoln Center production that Dan didn't seem so hot on. I thought it was extraordinary. Uh, to me, Bartha Chair can do no wrong. Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe are just absolutely fantastic. But, I mean, Yul Brenner as the original King is phenomenal too, of course. He won the Tony. He won the Oscar. Absolutely amazing. But I think this movie, I would agree with Cody here in saying I like it. I don't full on love it because I think it has more of the stagey feel in film does not always work for me. And I just didn't feel all the bombast that I did on stage, even though the sets are amazing, the costumes are amazing. It just sort of felt like some of the air was lost in the transition from stage to screen, at least for me. See, I think this theatrical stretching works well for this because it is something that takes place in a lot of very large spaces with very large numbers of people. So for me, I think it works. And I think the intimate scenes are just, again, like sort of they're fantastically staged. And the the chemistry between all the actors, I think, is a huge help to the film. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my big problems with the Lincoln Center production was you good as Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe are individually and other things I've seen them in. I didn't think that either of them were fantastic in that show together. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Listen, we have a ton of films to cover and I'm sure we could do a whole podcast with the King and I, (laughs) but as we go from film to film, what I want to do for all these is ask two, sometimes three questions for this. I'm going to ask all three. 
And we're just going to do like a quick round robin here, just like a yes or a no. We don't need all these full explanations for all of them. But uh, I guess, uh, Andrew, let's start with you. Was this a worthy adaptation? Of The King and I? Yes. Oh, absolutely. All right. And do you think the Oscar success, Best Picture nomination, Best Actor win, do you think that was all justified? I think it's certainly justified. I'm actually partial to Giant for Best Picture that year for the win. Um, and th- uh, this is certainly a better film than Around the World uh, with Ryan <laughs> in Best Picture, inexplicably. Um, and I'd also vote for Rock Hudson for Best Actor for what it's worth. But Yul Brenner's, you know, phenomenal and i certainly won't be protesting that win all right and uh, actually the last question i'm gonna say for the very end so dan yeah were the adaptation justified oscar success yes absolutely absolutely okay i think that yul brenner is one of the all-time best best actor winners all right nicole it's a yes and a yes from me Cody. It's a sure. <laughs> I think I'm somewhere short too, but the last question I'll just ask for all of us is do we think this is a film that, you know, could be remade or should be remade today? No. 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 Not happy with how it is now. You don't want to see like the Ke- Kelly O'Hara uh, film version so she could be nominated for an Oscar. Well, no. They did that dreadful. It wasn't a musical, but they did that awful Billy oh. Foster. Yeah. Um, yeah. that. In. Actually, there was a remake. There was a 1999 animated film, if you even want to call mm-hmm. it a remake. Oh, and that was dreadful, too. Oh, that was horrendous. It came out, like, back-to-back years or something, I that's think. That's right, that's right. We were hot for the king. Yeah. All right, so yeah. we agree. Let it stay as it is. Yes. Let the Yul Brenner Deborah Kerr image just stay in our mind, and any other adaptations could be on the stage. Agreed. I, I would definitely agree with that. The only thing I like in that Anna and the King movie is it does have a very young Tom Felton as her son. There you go. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right. Well, on the topic of remakes, we're actually going to jump to a film that does have a remake coming up very, very soon. And that is West Side Story, God. soon to be adapted by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Sure. So this is obviously one of the most beloved movie musicals. You know, it takes what's already a great show. And this one won Best Picture in addition to, I think, nine other Oscars. And I think this sort of reinvented the wheel of what a movie musical could be, let alone an adaptation. So, uh, Andrew, you want to start us off here, West Side Story? Sure. I think it's, you know, a very solid film. I think that Robert Wise did a fine job adapting it to the screen. Um, Ultimately, I'm not quite as enamored with it as a lot of folks are. Um, I think Natalie Wood and Richard Damer... You know, I think that other actors probably could have been better in those roles. I think that Rita Moreno pretty much walks away with the entire film. Yeah, she's extraordinary, as is uh, George Chakaris. Chakaris. Yeah, Chakaris. Okay, I've been pronouncing his name wrong for years. You know, upstages pretty much everything around her and and all but owns the film. And, you know, for her alone, it's, of course, a must-see. But, you know, I think everything around her just isn't operating quite at that incredible level, in my opinion, at least. All right. Uh, Nicole? Um, actually, I definitely agree. Uh, uh, the first time I saw this, I was in early high school, I think, uh, or maybe middle school, and I didn't like it at all. Um, I'm not a huge fan of West Side Story as a show, uh, <laughs> to be fair. I know, I know. Um, but I watched this a couple of years back, and I liked it better, and I do think Rita Moreno is by far the best thing about it, but there's something about it that just doesn't quite work for me. 
Um, like, I think it's a fine movie. I think it's a worthy adaptation, perhaps. But uh, it's not something I ever feel the need to see again. All right, uh, Cody. Okay, so... <laughs> I know you're passionate about this Here one. we go. Yes, this is my favorite movie of all time. Yay! I, I think it's um, a perfect, not only adaptation of strong source material, but it actually improves upon it. I much prefer the movie to the stage show. I think the stage show is still its own masterpiece. I also think it is, um, in terms of using every crayon in the box uh, when it comes to film production, I, I really think they're firing on all cylinders here. I know that's a mixed metaphor, but I'm just, <laughs> I lost for words with this movie, truly. I think the use of, it's the best use of color I've ever seen in the movie. I think Rita Moreno is the best awarded supporting actress of all time, frankly. Um, I, I I agree with the leads being just kind of all right, but um, Natalie Wood, for as much as she should not be playing this role, I, I really think she brings as much humanity as she can to a part that, you know, is not for her. And I really think she's actually pretty fantastic in the, you know, the finale. I could go on now. I'm going to cut myself off, but I, I think this is the absolute pinnacle when it comes to adapting musicals to the screen. There you go. And I'm very nervous for Spielberg. <laughs> and Dan, it sounds like you're somewhere in there too. I, you couldn't see it, but I was vigorously, emphatically okay. nodding my head with everything yeah, well, you said. Time, I'm going to pass mine to my reaction to yours because it sounds like I'm very similar in my love for this film. So just go speak for me here now. I, I don't think it's, perfect i don't think it's the absolute best movie adaptation of a stage musical but it is damn close to both of those things and there are so many sequences in it that are like the best ever in a movie the dance at the gym cool the finale america like it everything is just firing on all cylinders, the cinematography, the performances, everything. Ron Robbins, his presence in this film yes. really contributed to a lot. And actually, he was sort of fired from the film, yet he won Best Director along with Robert Wise. Uh, he was a tough guy to work for, and apparently the dancers from the cool sequence, at the end, they were like so fed up with how difficult it had been to film, they all burned their knee pads in protest. <laughs> and like, can you blame them? But also, can you blame Joan Robbins? Because, like, it came out fantastic. <laughs> um, I think it is one of the few nearly perfect movies ever made. I don't understand what Spielberg and Tony Kushner are doing. I don't care if it's Spielberg and Kushner. Because there's no need to make this movie at all. You cannot improve upon West Side Story. You, you shouldn't even try. Just makes no sense but that's for another day as it stands west side story is one of the greatest films ever made it deserved every single one of its oscars and anyone who thinks otherwise can suck it (laughs) i'll just say we're a house semi-divided on this one is that fair to say (laughs) you know everyone is sort of in the like it or passionately love a camp and no one flat out dislikes it yep okay uh and as for the questions, I'm going to save them for the very end of our segments from now on, just so we can move along. West Side Story, you know, as we heard, some of us love, some of us like. I think one that we're all going to sort of fall into the like range on is The Music Man, which opened in 1962. And again, just like uh, 
you have the king and I with Yul Brenner coming along from uh, awards at their Tony success. You have Robert Preston coming along here. And did the transition work? Uh, I guess I'll just start with this one so we could have uh, different starting perspectives. I think the music man on film sort of falls a little flat, even though Robert Preston is giving it his all. Anyone else feel that way? I agree. I think it's a very unmemorable movie. I know I've seen this movie more than once. I could not tell you a single thing about it. Another than Ron Howard is and it's insanely adorable. Yeah, Ron Howard is seven years old when he sings Gary, oh, nice. Indiana, Gary Indiana mm-hmm. and Wells Fargo Wagon. But yeah, I think aside from Robert Preston, you know, yeah, you have Shirley Jones there taking on the Barbara Cook role. But to me, this is not a major achievement. Uh, anyone want to fight that or are we? I'm here for Hermione Gingold. Otherwise, it's kind of just—it's fine. It's nice. I've actually never even seen it. <laughs> okay, Andrew, are you going to be the uh, dissenter on this? Oh, uh, I, I suppose I will. Um, I think I actually prefer this to West Side Story. I must say. Um, wow. So West Side Story has the better score, but. Boy, I think Robert Preston and Shirley Jones and even Buddy Hackett are, are just so winning in the film. Um, I don't think it, its direction is terribly inspired. And again, I think that West Side Story uh, ultimately has better music. But I think it's a damn fine adaptation. I can't fathom a better film adaptation of The Music Man. And yet I do think, much as I'm not thrilled with the idea of Spielberg attack. Um, going for it. I do think that West Side Story could be improved upon in a couple of areas. So, I'm not madly in love with The Music Man, but I think it's about as good as it gets in terms of the film adaptation of it. You know what I would like to see? Not necessarily a remake of The Music Man, but one of those live musicals on NBC or Fox where I've had this casting in mind. I've seen it online from a few other people, too. Lin-Manuel Miranda as a the lead of the music man as well, Harold they, Hill. They did oh. the um, Matthew Broderick TV movie of the music man. <laughs> they sure did. Um, yeah, that was the thing. Which wasn't very good. Um, and really makes me think, you know, even more so that, you know, Preston really was just the tops for it. Again, it, it's not amazing, but I, I think it's, you know, pretty damn good for what it is fair enough so a little lukewarm andrew you seem to like it more than the rest of us nicole uh if you don't see the movie i would at least go to youtube to see wells fargo wagon and gary indiana with ronnie howard oh i know a lot of the music and uh i i even used to sing gary indiana in my childhood voice lessons Uh, i'm just waiting i've never seen an oscar winner oscar winning director sing it before so that's really a sight (laughs) yeah i'm just waiting for a revival one day with laura osnes like i'm I'm she's great you know i really wish barbara cook were in this one Mm -hmm. yeah nothing against uh shirley jones but you know Barbara Cook is Barbara Cook. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of the full episode from the Next Best Theater podcast looking at movie musical adaptations from the stage to screen that were nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture. In order to hear more, you can head on over to our Patreon channel, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this and other exclusive podcast content from nextbestpicture.com. You have been listening to the Next Best Theater podcast underneath the umbrella of 
the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback as well as your support. Thank you once again, as always, for listening. We shall see you all again next time.